Not sure if the path of your parents is the path for you? What questions do you begin with? What does self-discovery feel like? My journey of self-discovery has been both my privilege and my tribulation. I have lived life differently than most. I offer educational sessions on how to pursue your path. Links and contacts are in the bios. Hi, and welcome to the Sex and Humans podcast, Hi with John David series. As we continue to explore the questions that I tend to contemplate, the questions that my clients and other friends tend to contemplate, one of the, one of the primary realities is our culture, specifically Western English culture, and this applies to other cultures as well, in some other context, potentially based on the way that other cultures view their relationship needs. But the question of what is love is a constant. It comes at every point when you're in conflict, when you're quote unquote in love. We've attempted in some cases to qualify that word with, well, I'm not in love with you, but I do love you as if that's supposed to make some people feel better. But what does that word mean? What does it mean when you look at someone and say, I love you? And taking out the considerations of, I love my cat, I love this chocolate bar, I love that band, I love my friends. Ignoring the many ways that that word is conflated by all those other meanings, let's, let's keep this conversation specifically around what is romantic love. And that word has been defined in our culture and in, in much of the world's culture at this point due to the, the propaganda that Hollywood proposed about the feelings of love, the experience of love, what it's supposed to look like when you're in love, what things you're supposed to do when you're in love, what do you want from that person when you're in love. And we have to remember that Western culture was predominantly built upon the nuclear family. And the nuclear family is, I would argue, a codependent relationship where the man is praised and pushed into being his sole masculine self. And the woman is praised and pushed in being her sole feminine self. And this is perverted itself in our current culture with you know, toxic masculinity and you know, divine femininity or toxic femininity as it's really come to express itself. But those experiences, let's just take those away and recognize that those human beings existing in, in, in those contexts, right, where the woman, a female, is only valuable or only self-expressed in the best way if she is self-expressed in her feminine, or a man is only conversely valuable in his pure masculine. Let's, let's acknowledge that human beings, generally, are a mix of the two. Every male, every female, has masculinity and femininity. And the ratio of those is not necessarily 50-50, but it isn't 100 and zero. With some exception, I would argue that there are some men and some women that both hit the extremes. But those should not necessarily be idealized. Those human beings should be the ones that should be working to bring some of their understanding and empathy into the other 
energy form, whether that's masculinity or femininity, to be a more palatable human being and function better in a society versus taking all of us that have some semblance of femininity as a male, i.e. connected to our emotions, feeling things, you know, interested in our own self-love and what that means to us, as we use that word again. But what is the romantic love interest? What's the purpose of partnership? Up until the 1920s, the purpose of partnership was procreation. And every rule, every design from marriage to law is built around a few tenets that are almost universal. The idea that marriage is designed so that the man can identify his progeny as his own. Well, before there was DNA testing, you needed to know that your son or daughter, but up until super recently, it was only valuable if it was your son, was your child as a man, because you couldn't really know. Sure, maybe it looks like you, maybe it doesn't. But when men were generating wealth, and the idea of heirs was very important in culture, this concept of monogamy, this concept of what love means formed. And that concept was, again, built around the knowing of who your children were. And oftentimes, the way that that worked was women were insulted if they had any kind of sexual promiscuity, because primarily up until condoms up until even the 1960s and 70s when women developed birth control for themselves the act of sex for a woman always could end in a pregnancy and so men got out there and they explored their sexuality in other ways right the madonna and the whore concept of who a woman is that fantastic quote in goodfellas where he almost smacks his friends when he even begins to question, why would he not do all the fun, sexy things with his wife? Why does he need a mistress? And he looks at him and he's like, are you kidding me? You know, what are you talking about? That's the mother of my children. Don't ever talk about her that way again. Uh, as if the mother of his children also didn't have sex desires. Because that just wasn't allowed. And, you know, and these are films, these are movies that are, that are presenting these old world cultural ideas as truth because they're on TV, because they're on film. That old adage, it must be true, I saw it on television. Now it's extended to social media and the world is on fire, but that's another podcast. So what is this, what is love really? If we're all in pursuit of actual love and in the last 20 to 25 years, men have actively developed an empathy, a sense of emotionality, a connection to kindness, a connection to their feminine. Much at the request of women. You know, why doesn't my husband feel anything? Why can't he ever talk about his feelings? Why can't he ever relate to me? Why doesn't he understand me? And so Men in their quest have made 
and this is a broad generalization, but men have made an effort to become more emotional, to become more connected. It's become manly to then know how to cry, to be vulnerable in front of other human beings, specifically other women and specifically other men. And that kind of vulnerability is different and it's new for us. It is. Women have been a little bit ahead of us in their general understanding as in the 1970s with the advent of you know, mass adopted birth control by the 1980s, women were entering the workforce and they were engaging their masculine and awkwardly, by the way, with short haircuts, broad shoulder pads and their suits that they would wear to almost masculinize their presence. And now women are starting to take a different tact and they're starting to embrace their own true femininity slash masculinity and show up as they desire, whether that be as a long haired woman in a dress or as a short haired woman in a suit or any combination of that in between. It's how you want to show up. Who are you? And how do you want to present yourself to the world in order to have the world respond to you? And the idea of cultural norms or cultural correctness is actively beginning to fade in Western culture specifically. So it comes down to this question, what is love? If the purpose of life is to find love, what does that actually look like? Because I would argue almost every single human being, almost every single human being, man or woman, whom has gotten married, has at one point felt love and felt in love. And they made some choices because our culture and our society told us that those feelings meant you were designed to be with this person for the rest of your life. And all of this is a, is a holdover of culture when human beings didn't live that long, when men were never, ever faithful. And women were required to be faithful because if they stepped out, if they cheated, they could get pregnant and there would be evidence of that. <laughs> Men didn't have that problem. In fact, culturally, up until you know, the 1900s, we just called them bastards and it was fine. In fact, the goal was to be the wife with their children and progeny as heirs. And outside of that was just foolish sexual promiscuity. Because if you got pregnant, the man actually didn't owe you anything. And then we decided that that maybe wasn't so fair. And so when we decided, well, if you, if you have a kid, there's father responsibilities. And generally, that just existed around money. We didn't require the father to show up. We didn't require the father to be present and to play ball with their children that were bastards. But we did require them to pay the woman to help support them because that's all that was important. But as we move past survivorship and we move into a different kind of culture, a different kind of living, we need to redefine and then agree upon what is love. And I offer that love is a intense commitment to concern about another human being. 
And I do believe that love, as it should be defined, is unconditional for both men and women. And as Chris Rock said, only women and children and dogs are loved unconditionally. And it's time men were too. And men being loved unconditionally, both to other men and to their partners, if they're heterosexual, is an important advancement in our culture. And to define what love means is the first step. Love is a choice. It is a concern for another human being's well-being, for another's success, another's prosperity. It is an investment of your time and your energy, maybe your money, into another per person with no requirement of return in kind. That's love. And that's something to even hear it presented that way. I would offer at least half of you listening are like, that'll never happen. That's not fair. That's, that's love, right? The ability to say, I love you, whether you love me back, whether you care about me back, whether you ever pick up my phone call, I will love you. And this is often described the way, you know, a mother loves a child, which again, that is, that's a whole nother conversation about the, the obtuse experience that children have with their mothers and the way that they love them. But the closest thing I think we can understand is the way a mother loves a child in our current cultural understanding. And that's no matter what that child does, no matter what they say, what terrible things they might do, the mother continues to love the child. She cannot like the child. She could not approve of the things they have done. She can actively disapprove. But in the end, she will always love them. And that means she will always have concern for their well-being, care for their well-being, and within her own power, try and help and protect the person that she loves. And I do not believe that this is solely reserved for that relationship. I think this can be extended into all relationships. But again, focusing on the romantic partnership between two human beings that say, I love you. And if we can redefine that as a culture, if you can redefine that for yourself and communicate that to the people that you are entertaining as partners, then I think you maybe have a shot at finding what this elusive experience is of happiness. The challenge is, is that most people don't see it that way. And so to define it that way is going to threaten the status quo. It's going to threaten the control culture. It's going to threaten the procreation culture. It's going to threaten all sorts of experiences that thrive and rely on the codependent relationship between partners that require them to enter into any kind of transactional experience. Now, that's not to say there's not a give and take. That's part of it. There can be. And in a healthy relationship, I would argue that there is a give and take. There is a not 50-50, but there's a 
a balance, the ability to look at someone and say, I'm doing well, you're struggling, I got this. That doesn't mean, contrary to the popular opinion of the self-love gurus running around the internet, that does not mean that you have to take care of yourself and be 100% before you can help someone out. That's just being selfish. That's just being self-centered and probably narcissistic. What it does mean is the true, honest acknowledgement of you're at 30, I'm only at 60. That doesn't even add up to 100, but I tell you what, I'm going to carry as much water for you as I can. And then when the circumstances flip, maybe you're at 40 and they're at 60 and then they, they rise it up a little bit. And then over time, maybe you get more and maybe at some point you start exceeding 100%. You're at 70 and they're at 80. Things start to get really, really great. And it's, it's the interest in building someone with you. And the hope that they will build you with them. And oftentimes that's not the case in our modern experiences, especially in modern divorces, especially coming out of COVID. There is a, a notion that there is enough opportunity and there's enough options in order to dismiss someone that you may or may not be partners with, but that you at least extend the fact that you love them. And that is a, is a real failure in our culture. And I would argue that's, that's part of what we're talking about. The failure of our culture and then the rebirth of something new. And we ha do have a choice about how we rebuild something new. And we can say, it's going to look like this. It's going to look like that. I offer that it looks like true partnership, the ability to love someone unconditionally. And then a real partnership comes when the other person loves you unconditionally. And then there's no fear. There's no power games. There's no if this, then that. There's no I'm not getting mine. Everybody's in it. Everybody's doing their best. And the truth around that is whether or not your relationship will be successful. Are you actually doing your best? Or are you trying to manipulate the other person in order to get them to give a little bit extra because you just don't feel like it? Then the relationship will fall apart potentially, at least from a live-in dynamic that we look at the idea of having one single person in a traditional relationship as your person. This is the person you're going to go through life with. But the openness of our experience as human beings has also allowed us to explore friendships in different ways and to be satiated by intellectual relationships, emotional relationships, sexual relationships with people that we aren't necessarily in love with in a romantic sense, at least not one that's all encompassing. And I would argue that is a beautiful thing to find that one person that is so all encompassing that you can have this one adventure partner. But that is not the secret to life. It's not boiling it down to one. If you find one, 
Great. Perfect. Most likely, those people that do are a little bit simpler. And I don't mean that in the sense of uh, intellectual capability. I meant that in the, the complicated experience of needs. They just don't have a lot of needs. Maybe their sex drives aren't super high. Maybe their emotionality levels, they aren't super high either. And so their needs tend to be a little bit more flatlined. And those human beings have the opportunity to find one person that kind of ebbs and flows within their comfort zone. And they ebb and flow within the other person's comfort zone. But for those of us that have a higher emotionality, and for many men, we're just starting to experience that. And so for some of us, our emotionality is a little out of control. And that doesn't necessarily have to be violent. But it can be, I'm really upset. Suddenly, I'm crying in front of my male friends, something I would never think I would do as a grown man. And I, I can't help it. I'm, I'm weeping over the loss of a relationship, over of a friend, over a business, over a parent. And I'm vulnerable in front of those human beings. And I'm here to argue that that is a great step forward. It is not helpful in the human journey to be so boiled down and functional and pragmatic and even in some cases defined as stoic to be a successful human. It might make you a very successful businessman and it might make you an admired human being on this planet. It might make you influential. It might make you powerful. But in the end, all of that, all of those experiences on this earth are gone. So if there's something else, and that can be all sorts of different experiences, I would argue that it's none of the religious experiences, but all religions, for the most part, have some sort of truth built into their stories and their power games and etc. But that truth that exists for why we are human, why is our consciousness a separating experience from other animal kingdoms? What is that truth that says, what are we doing? I argue love, the true sense of love, the unconditional sense of love has something to do with that. So if you're struggling out there, and you're not really sure what happened in your relationship. You're divorced. You're about to be divorced. You're just breaking up. You're having a loss from a business or business partnership or in any sense of someone that you really thought cared about you. Think about how that relationship was transactional. Did that transaction end? And if it did, and, and that caused the relationship to end, then it wasn't love and you didn't lose love. You lost a deal. Sometimes that deal looks like man and wife. But you just lost uh, an experience that hopefully benefited you in some way for some short amount of time or long amount of time. But now that time has come to an end. So instead of hitting reset and trying to find the person and assume that it was the person that was wrong for you. It was 
they weren't enough. Let's start to consider that the idea is incorrect. And that if we change the idea, our success can go through the roof because we cannot control others. We can only control ourselves. So if love is dependent upon another person doing something, it's not love. True love is only reliant on you and your ability to express it. And that is a very, very vulnerable, very difficult, very fear-inducing for some experience. It puts us out there to potentially be very, very wounded when it is not reciprocated. But if you can get to that point, I would offer that the reciprocation will actually come in spades. You will have so much love pouring to you if you can be willing to give it without condition and without consequence. It might take some time. You might have to shed a lot of people that just aren't interested in this understanding. They aren't interested in this definition because they're still trying to, quote unquote, survive in the world. They're still trying to get ahead. They're still trying to make a deal. They're still trying to make sure that they have more than their neighbor and that their neighbor does not take anything that could and potentially be given to them. So you lay those things down and you say, I love you. And it doesn't matter. What you do, it doesn't matter what you give back to me. It doesn't matter if you care. It doesn't even matter if you acknowledge it. I give love. And what's funny is when you look at the prophets of all the different types of religions, isn't that what they were saying in the first place? And somehow it got manipulated and twisted into this power dynamic, into a survival mentality, into a culture. My name is John David Whalen. Thank you guys for listening. I wish you all the best journeys in your love life. And I hope that more people start to discover what real, true love is and the power behind it. Not sure if the path of your parents is the path for you? What questions do you begin with? What does self-discovery feel like? My journey of self-discovery has been both my privilege and my tribulation. I have lived life differently than most. I offer educational sessions on how to pursue your path. Links and contacts are in the bios. Thank you for listening to the Sex and Humans podcast. My name is John David Whalen, powered by Riverside FM.